0: You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Are you excited for the word? So I'm thrilled again. uh, I am uh, excited to be part of this series, especially, particularly today on this very first topic. Because we're looking at the... uh, Part 4 of the Sermon on the Mount, which according to Pastor Neil, have 27 uh, weeks. And this is part 4, and I'm honored to preach the first, basically, of the 5-4, which is treasures in heaven. And so, uh, part 1 is the blessings of the kingdom life. Part 2 is walking in the king's righteousness, the way of righteousness. And part 4, that's basically where we are, that's valuing God's Kingdom. And under this valuing God's kingdom, today we're going to talk about treasures in heaven. Next week is seeking God's kingdom, judging others, ask, seek, and knock basically for the next succeeding weeks. So it's pretty exciting. Can we all stand, uh, stand up as we read the, the text here together? If you will read along with me. Ready? You can read along with me in the PowerPoint. Ready, go. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. "...where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body is full will be full of darkness." If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Father, I pray that you would anoint your word, Father. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit will say. And Lord, help us, Lord, not only to hear, but let allow your word to impact our lives, strengthen our conviction, and live by the values of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say, Amen. Our goal is for you to have, a in sharing this valuing the kingdom, in the kingdom life series, is for you to be able to have a biblical understanding of what it means to prioritize, to seek, and basically to value God's kingdom over the, the values of this world and everything that it offers us, and for our specific topic, which is treasure treasures in heaven, I pray that by the end of this message, that God's kingdom will be valued, will be valued by all of us more than all earthly and worldly desires that we have. So we are going to zero in primarily on this question. What does it actually mean to store up for yourselves treasure in heaven? Now, before we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, before we've gotten saved, we've all pretty much run our lives the way we wanted it. It reminds me of the book of Judges where people did as they saw fit. Now, some of you have a pretty good grasp of what you really want to do before you even come to know the Lord. It's just providence. Some of you have a good grip. Of what you want to achieve in life, but not many people do. Some are clueless. They just cruise through life in a survival mode, hoping to stumble on your, their destiny. And some live lives that are quite grim and quite hopeless. That's where most people are. This is why I love about the kingdom of God because there are two blessings that comes as a result of our relationship. One is knowing Jesus Experiencing salvation, it changes our whole lives. For the first time ever, things become meaningful. The Bible that used to just be a dead, dead to us now come alive. Because we are not receptive to spiritual matters. We have no appreciation. We mock things that are spiritual. We used to persecute people that read their Bible or worships God or something like that. Not, not, not all of us do. But we're dead to spiritual things. So that is one blessing, knowing God, experiencing salvation in eternal life. But number two, one of the most exciting things about Christianity is knowing your purpose. Understanding what you were born to do. In the following scriptures you will see here, these are familiar scriptures. In Jeremiah chapter 1, for example, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You know what that tells you? You are never an accident. You never allow yourself to be devalued on the basis of how much money you have or who are your connections or your looks or, or education. None of this matters. You are valuable because you are created in the image of God, period. <clears throat> you are not valuable because you are highly educated or you are educated in the best schools. None of those things matter. <clears throat> in fact, the Bible says in Gospels, what man sometimes highly value is detestable in God's eyes. Simply because the value systems of the world and the kingdom of God are entirely different. In Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. So this is God. God had your best interest at heart. And in Psalm 139, I love the way it's said in the Message Bible, like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth, All the stages of my life were spread out before you, the days of my life, all prepared before I'd even live one day. Isn't that amazing? God knew you before you were even born. All the days ordained for you were written in God's book before any one of them even came to be. In short, God has a plan for your lives. But this, but for us to fulfill our destiny, we need the wisdom and the counsel of the Word of God. It is impossible to fulfill our destiny being ignorant of God's Word. How could you even know the will of God without knowing His Word? We need the Bible to shape our conduct, our values, our beliefs. I'm taking the time to discuss these matters because our topic is about valuing the kingdom of God. Your values shape your thinking. You make decisions based on your values. You prioritize things Based on the things that you value. What a man thinks, that is what he will become. That's what the book of Proverbs says. An unregenerated mind, a mind that is not renewed, can even keep good Christians in bondage. Sometimes it makes you wonder. You know the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new creature. And yet even you yourselves wonder why I'm, I'm not as new as I wanted to be. You know why Christians are not being new or experiencing newness? Because while there is a spiritual rebirth that happened, their mind is not renewed. Our minds need to be renewed. We cannot conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We have been plucked out of the kingdom of darkness and established in the kingdom of His beloved Son. You've traveled in some nations, and there are some nations, we drive on the right side of the road, they drive on the wrong side of the road. I'm sorry, on the left side. Of the road right if you visited Singapore or Hong Kong and many other British influenced nation they drive on the left side on the inside the car they are uh, what you call uh, uh, right-hand drive cars so what that means if you're visiting some of these countries you cannot act like you're still in America because if you cross the road when we cross the road the first thing to do is to look here if you're in that country you you get run over you have to renew your mind. You are no longer in the world you live. You are in a different kingdom. And that, that's why sometimes when I go, I'm so tired. I go to, to the driver's seat and in some Asian countries, they would pull their key and say, Pastor Jun, you want to drive? Because I'm going to the driver's seat. In the Philippines, that's the passenger seat, right? So I have to renew my mind. I'm not in the Philippines. I'm in Singapore or I'm in Cambodia or something like that. So... There are different rules in different kingdoms. We are now in the kingdom of God. The rules are different. You want to be a leader, you serve. You want to receive, you give. You want to be wise, you must be willing to be a fool for Christ. The values of God's kingdom is very different from the values of the world. The Bible says, love your enemies. The world says, eye for an eye, tooth tooth for tooth. Jesus said, forgive them. How many times? Seventy-seven Times, many times, <laughs> countless times. These are the values that's reflected when you become a believer in Christ. So that's why in the next verse you see in Romans 8, those who live because there are consequences to the, the values we live by. And again, it says here, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset set on what that the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life. So these are consequences of the values we imbibe. You cannot cruise through life not being thoughtful, not being, uh, not being, uh, uh conscientious. You cannot just do that. In fact, when the Bible describes a foolish and a wise builder, the word foolish actually means thoughtless. Do not think. They do not process things. They just kind of cruise through life. And it puts us in a very bad situation. This was the verse I quoted earlier. We are not supposed to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by having our minds renewed. Then we will be able to know. What God's will, what His pleasing and perfect will is. I love how Message Bible renders it. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Without even thinking. Just because a husband does not fool around with other relationship doesn't automatically translate that you're a good husband. Thinking means I have to cultivate I have to engage. I have to lay down my life. It cannot be that because I'm present that I'm okay. You understand what I mean? Just because you are not an absentee father that you're always at home doesn't automatically translate that you are engaging your kids. Thinking means you are planning. How can I enhance? How can I make my family better? Just because you're in your workplace and you show up every week doesn't mean everything's okay. What are your plans? What do you feel like God wanted you to do in your workplaces? We have to excel, not just for the sake of promotion, but so we could be powerful witnesses for the Lord. In 1 Peter, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desire which war against your soul. Which means the values of this world and the values of the kingdom are always in conflict. This world... Uh, Message Bible says, Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Now, you can see the contrast. And man, it doesn't take rocket science. You don't have to be a very smart person to look at this to make the right choice. The choice is glaringly obvious. Which would you rather choose, life or death? God didn't give us ten choices. Two choices, life or death, light or darkness, freedom or bondage, righteousness or sin. One day there will be judgment. they will be separate the goat from the sheep. There will be people on the goat line and some on the sheep line. Where would you rather be? So if you want to be in the kingdom of God, there are choices you have to make. The Bible says there are two kinds of roads. One wide, everyone goes through that road, popular road. The other road is narrow. Difficult road, not a popular road, but that's the road that leads to life. It's never a popular road. You have a choice heaven and hell. If you don't like that and you want to be politically correct, we could just say smoking or non smoking is your choice. Blessings or curses. The choice is not that hard, but we have to align. If we want life, we have to align our values in accordance with the kingdom of God. We cannot just say, I want to go to heaven, but live totally opposite to the values of heaven. You understand what I mean? One of the contemporary issues that every one of us faces that is reflected and influenced by our values is how we define success. The answer to this question basically reveals what you value. If you value fortune, then you'll be wrapped up in a rat race of making money at every angle, at every way. God is not against money. Money is not the root, it's not the problem or the root of all evil. It's the love of it, it's the lust for it. It dominates your life. Instead of using, instead of making money your slave, you become a slave to money. So it's a matter of perspectives, standards of living, being wrapped up. Where do I need to have my? You know, what kind of house or, or car or everything is all wrapped up. And next week's topic will address that issue about priorities of the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom. Fame. Man's praise. When you are, when your value system is about fame, then you are very concerned about your image. Who knows you? Who you know? You're very concerned about people's praise of you. You live for that. You live for the applause of people instead for the applause of God. Power. If, you are, if your value is power, then you will always strive to climb to the top. It, you does, it doesn't matter who you're going to run into, who you're going to step on. The important thing is you're on the top. It's people that you can uh, command or control. So to know your personal value, simple question is, where do you put your time, energy, and your money? That will tell you, even though you say, I love Jesus, that's why it's very important that, you know, next, I will not, I will not get ahead of myself, but next week's topic is going to be very, very important for that matter. So three ways to store up treasure in heaven, and I know my time is quite rather limited, but our are three diagnostics based on the text we read. One, where is your heart? Secondly, how is your vision? Talks about eyes. Two kinds of eyes: bad eyes, good eyes. And who do you serve? It served. You cannot serve two masters. So it really boils down to these three things. So let's walk through them very quickly. Where is your heart? In Matthew 6:19 again, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where, where moth and rust destroys. Where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not steal, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So whatever occupies our thoughts, our desires, and our time, that becomes our treasure. If our heart is set on the things of this earth, then we will be occupied by Laying treasures here on earth. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your hearts. So we have to be careful what is sown in our hearts because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Colossians 3, the same thing says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your heart, your affection, your priorities on the things of God where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, take a look at this v- verse again, a contrast between Matthew 6 and 1 Peter 1.4, which I'll... Cl- if you put your treasures on earth, this is basically what happened. Moths eat, rust ero- corrode, thieves break in and steal. But if you invest treasures in heaven, 1 Peter 1.4 talks about our inheritance in heaven that will never perish, never spoil, and never fade. Then the Bible also says in 1 John 2, 16 and 17, the the world and its desires will pass away, which means it's temporary, but the man who does the will of God will live forever, which means it is eternal. So we could see that acts of obedience to God laid up in heaven are not susceptible to decay, destruction, or theft. Nothing can affect or change them. They are eternal. What you do here, that's why the Bible says nothing you do for the Lord will ever be in vain. As you give your offerings, that's have eternal significance. But your motive should be right. Worshiping God are eternal things. Helping somebody, leading someone to Christ, praying for somebody. Going out of your way to bless somebody. These have eternal significance. Anything that you do that's in light of the kingdom. Has eternal significance and they, were, they are, you are making deposits and eternal, uh, what you call this, laying up treasures in heaven. You can, have you ever heard the expression, you can take it with you? When you die, none of the things that you do, you can never take them. But here's the caveat you can set it ahead. There are other great men, let me just quote them John Wesley. I value all things only by the price I shall gain in eternity. David Livingstone said, I place no value on anything I possess except in relation to the kingdom of God. Jim Elliot, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In other words, he's not just giving away for no reason. What he gives away becomes gain for himself in the kingdom of heaven. Here's a story, a sad story. How do you pronounce this? Hughes? Okay. Howard Hughes, once the richest man in America, worth $2.5 billion at his death. He was the richest man in the United States. He owned a private fleet of jets, hotels, and casinos. When asked to claim his body, his nearest relative, a distant cousin, exclaimed, Is this Mr. Hughes? He had spent the last 15 years of his life a dragged addict, too weak in the end to even administer shots to himself. His 6'4 frame had shrunk to 6'1 and he weighed only 90 pounds. Not a single acquaintance or relative mourned his death. The only honor he received was a moment of silence in his Las Vegas casinos. Time Magazine put it this way, Howard Hughes' death was commemorated in Las Vegas by a minute of silence. Casinos fell silent, housewives stood uncomfortable, clutching their paper cups full of coins. At the slot machines, the blackjack games paused. And at the, at, the crop, at the crop tables, a stickman cradled the dice and the crook of their wooden ones. Then a pit boss looked at his watch, leaned forward and whispered, okay, roll the dice. He'd had his minute. How would you like to be the richest man, most influential person on the planet only to die this way? Now, I'm not going to judge this person. We don't know at the last minute he called on the name of the Lord. We don't know. But the point is, this is what happened when you store up things and you are not rich towards God. You store up things for yourselves here on earth. And it's a sad story. Here's an important element to remember when we think of success. To view things in light of eternity. Success is not about accumulating wealth, fame, and power. It's being in the center of God's will for your life. Amen? If you do the will of God, you are a success. In 1 Timothy 6, To 17, Paul's advice to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on to eternal life. How is your vision? Now, very quickly, I know I... Time's up here, but uh, this is just quick. It talks about the eye. What it really means is where do you focus your vision? Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. But if you close them, they will be filled with darkness. When riches are the focus of our lives, our vision becomes distorted. We become spiritually distorted sighted Now, for time's sake. So, the Bible says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is what? Temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We focus not on the things that are perishable. Your latest car today, you are right now enjoyed so much. After five, ten years, it's going to be run down unless you really maintain it well. But your latest computer that you think is the latest one, It will be outdated five years, ten years from now. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things that we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. That's what the Message Bible says. In 1 John 2, practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, that's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world in all its wanting, one wanting, one wanting one is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. You should know your values. I'll just uh, where is your focus? Let's, let me skip that. James Boyce said this when he was asked, "How is your vision? Do you see spiritual things clearly?" He said, "Or is your vision of God and his will for your life clouded by spiritual cataracts or nearsightedness?" brought on by an unhealthy preoccupation with, the th- with, with things. I'm convinced that this is true for many Christians. Christians not exempted, particularly those living in the midst of Western affluence. And finally, who do you serve? Again, the choices is only two. You can either serve God or you can serve money. You cannot serve both. Now, it makes us wonder, why not? I mean, I serve God and I also serve money a little bit here. But you know, if you look at it from the CEV contemporary version, this is what it says. You cannot be the slave of two masters. Why? Masters, I'm not, I don't want to use the word possessive, but they own you. You cannot be owned by two masters, you know? You understand what I mean? You only have to be loyal to one. You cannot serve both God and money in this way. James 4.4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? In Joshua 24, 15, it says, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, he said, We will serve the Lord. In 1 Kings eighteen twenty one, Elijah said, Stop wavering between two opinions. If God is God, serve Him. Okay? So, but stop being in the middle. Here's, uh, money may seem like the answer to everything, but it is, in truth, it's not. It said money can buy bed but it cannot buy sleep. It can buy amusement but it cannot buy happiness. It can buy companions but it cannot buy friends. It can buy books, it cannot buy brains. You can buy a house with money, but it cannot buy a home. You can buy medicine, but it cannot buy health. It can buy flattery, but you cannot buy friends. So this money could be deceptive and ruthless. Gallup Paul revealed that sixty-four percent of all couples argue over money issues. of all divorces are over money issues, which makes it the leading cause of all divorces. Money, as a matter of fact, is neutral in itself. Okay, Nothing inherently wrong with it. We don't serve money, we let money serve God. It's our attitude and the use of money that will determine whether money becomes good or evil, whether it's a slave, our slave, or our master. So there's nothing wrong with money itself. Wealth and possessions as such, the problem comes from the position they occupy in our lives. Don't serve money. Let money serve you and the kingdom of God. I'll just skip this for time's sake, but there's a question there. What is, shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loose or forfeits his soul? And I love the way New Living Translation says, Is anything worth more than your soul? Message Bible says, What could you ever trade for your soul? You are priceless. You have no price tag. If you have, then the world will buy you. I'll close with this last, last slide. John Calvin said, Where riches hold dominion of the heart, God has lost His authority. That is the question before you. Who is your master? Who do you serve? You will be, you will be a slave to one or the other. Do, you, do your possessions own you, or you and you serve them? Or does God own you and you, you and you serve Him with all you are and all you have? So as we close, basically, the three questions are posed for us. Where is your heart? Two places. It is either heavenly or earthly. How is your vision? Either you have a bad eye or good eye. I hope you set your sight on the eternal, not the temporal. And finally, who do you serve? The wisest choice you could ever make is to serve only God and Him alone. Amen? Praise God. Can we close in prayer? Father God, thank you so much. Lord God, for once again, reminding us, for Lord God, living in this world, we could easily get short-sighted and get sidetracked. You warned us, the word you use is drifting away. Lord, we do not just overnight stumble, but inch by inch, we drift away because we lose our kingdom values. It is my prayer, Father God, that as you bring a reminder or conviction, regardless of where we are, that you would pull us back in case we have drifted away. Lord God, help us. Help us to guard our hearts, to go back to the first commandment of God to love you with all our hearts, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. There is no room for the world in our hearts. Father God, while we live in this world, Lord God, it, it, that doesn't mean we, need, we don't need to enjoy our home, our car, or have a vacation, or enjoy the blessings you've given us. Lord God, You know that we, you know that we need these things but help us to not serve these things. Help us to not make this a priority in our lives. Lord, help us to use these resources and seeming blessings to serve you and to advance your kingdom. As your head or body, you are bowed and your eye are closed, again, I just want to quickly pray for you. If the Lord's convicted your heart in, in any of this area, again, just respond in humility. God, always give grace to those who humble themselves. Before something creeps into your heart, it's time to really re- repent and get rid of these things because it's very subtle, it's very deceptive. The, the, the riches is very deceptive. If we're not careful, we end up serving money instead of God. Just take a moment of silence for a while, Lord God. Father, we, our hearts is laid before you, Lord. And if any one of us have veered, Father God, or have gone cold or have missed the way, have missed the mark. Lord, we humbly come before you and repent. And Lord God, thank you for your mercy and grace to always forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, break every hold of this world upon my brothers and sisters. I release them, Father God. Lord God, they are free to serve the living God. Help, help them to use their freedom, Lord, not to indulge in licentiousness, but to worship you. And Lord God, to seek first your kingdom, to put priority, to put You first in their lives, no one else. Father God, we just, I just speak your blessing upon them. I speak blessing on every family, every person that's here today, Lord God. I just pray that your presence, your grace will continue to abound in their lives. And as they continue to sow into your kingdom, as they continue to, to lay treasures, Father God, Lord, I pray you impact the lives of so many people along their way. Lord God, that they too will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone say a big, big amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand.